Hello everyone and welcome to episode 32 of the Verbal Reasoning Podcast. This week we'll be discussing the election results and how this will affect us going forward. Enjoy! Did you man watch the elections then? No, I was, I was watching Spongebob uh, for... <laughs> of course, like there was nothing else to watch apart from the election, no matter where you look. It was election news uh, everywhere. I, I did not do any work last week i just had like one screen on my laptop which had like i think it was like associated press and they were like calling all of the states um and then it was i never thought i would get so interested into an election where i'd be like oh i wonder what like clark county in georgia is voting for like are they gonna are they gonna swing it literally got down to that level you know um it was good fun it was good fun i don't know i feel um the disaster scenarios we predicted didn't really come to life which uh, it was teetering it was like yeah. on the edge you know it was it was it was tempting fate that's what it was doing yeah <laughs> you know, like some of Trump, like some of trump's some of trump's tweet tweets were were a bit scary like you know announcing things early oh yeah yeah no it's done guys yeah. it's done a week <laughs> before it's been announced <laughs> have you seen the um have you seen there's a new like far right twitter app which has been uh, which has come up so like because uh, because all of like Trump uh, Trump's tweets are getting like flagged by uh, Twitter. There's this new app called Parler, which is basically just like for all the far right extremists. Uh, so like they don't get themselves censored and all this kind of stuff. That's crazy. It literally looks exactly the same as Twitter. No yeah. way. <laughs> Disgusting. We talked about this last time, like the echo chambers, and it's just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. getting tighter and tighter. Like people are just going further away. What do you mean they made a, a Twitter just for far right people? <laughs> that's crazy yeah it's mental man also like i was watching um i was watching this video of uh so there's a republican i'm not sure if it's a congressman or senator but ted cruz he he ran for president like a few years ago yeah um and he was interviewing jack dorsey the the ceo of twitter uh about like twitter being like a left-leaning platform and how it's like silencing republicans and everything but man fucking hell jack dorsey i don't know if you saw the video he looks like he's a fucking castaway his beard is like (laughs) Like incest, his beard belongs in like 1300s China. Yeah, it's, inc- <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah, and he just looked like he was on an island being interviewed. Yeah, it probably it was. was. I think uh, <laughs> yeah, Twitter and uh, Facebook have been going through it in the past week because of uh, Donald Trump's tweets and the speed at which he tweets and the speed at which they have to put disclaimers underneath the stuff that he's been tweeting because. As much as we we predicted some more, you know, violence, so to speak, we, I was going through what we said in the previous election podcast, and actually we were pretty spot on. Well, you and me were spot on, but um, Steve was talking about how Xi Jinping is going to take over America. Years. So in fifty in years, in fifty we'll years, okay, me, okay, okay, fifty years, we'll come back to you. But I mean, we were relatively accurate, actually. We both said that you know there would be a small margin of victory for Joe Biden. It wouldn't be as you know far and wide as the pollsters were predicting um you know we said that trump would obviously go into his child childishness bag and uh refuse to back down and refuse to accept the election results which uh, kind of we have seen that so currently of the states that are you know projected uh, wins for biden or should i say ones which have said that biden has won basically Biden has 279 electoral college votes and Trump has 214. Uh, And obviously in America, you need 270 electoral college votes. So uh, obviously Biden has been declared the winner by pretty much everyone other 
than Donald Trump and you know his his little cronies. So, what do you guys think about the the results? Were you surprised? Well, like on the day, like the first day when they were counting the votes, you know, people stayed up and it didn't look like Biden was going to win. Like instantly, we were seeing like Trump numbers going up. So that day, I was like, oh shit, <laughs> here we go again. Yeah, <laughs> <The> shit show ride. <laughs> yeah. But then you wake think, up and you see, uh, you see it start changing. Uh, but I don't know what was your experience recently. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. I think, um, I think what surprised me was uh, that we kind of had, we had like all the, so we knew that all the Republicans would come and vote in person and their votes would be counted. I'm just amazed though that like no one on any news channel like wrote that. By the way, you know the Republicans are going to basically be winning every state until we bother to start counting the mail-in votes. Like, I can't believe no one advertised that because everyone woke up and it was a shock. It was like, oh yeah, but Biden was ahead and, yeah. and whatever. Um, but I mean, what a crazy election though, right? So like highest turnout in 120 years in the US in terms of voter turnout. 70 million votes for Donald Trump. I mean, that's a new record, except Biden broke it by 74, 75 million, they're thinking. Um, so like it's just been a crazy I think like the Democrats a lot of their game was like we need to get communities that just don't vote to come out and vote and I know that like they did that really successfully in Georgia especially where Biden is is leading at the moment I don't think they've declared it yet but uh, I mean the Republicans though man what a job they did as well I mean they they increased their vote accounts as well by tons of people so yeah crazy crazy election it's crazy because like we saw like you know people's engagement into politics really dropped uh in the past years and now like it's very important again do you think it's good to have a crazy man like (laughs) around in and around politics do you think that's healthy for to force people to get involved or do you think we should stick with mundane uh you know bureaucratic politicians are all really the same (laughs) i don't know man i I still think I still think in the long term, this it was kind of a good thing that Trump got elected. I think it was yeah. a big wake-up call to like the bureaucratic politicians. Um, it was kind of like you can't take people for granted mm-hmm. anymore that they will vote for you. The same happened with the same happened with Labour uh, in the UK yeah. with all the northern seats and the the red wall that got demolished in the last election. That was like taking voters for granted. Uh, so I think it's a, it's a huge wake-up call. Um, I think I mean I don't know. I think this kind of polarizing of political spectrums it's definitely got more people involved which as a democracy you could argue is a good thing because democracy is all about representation is it a bad thing because everyone has become super radicalized Mm. to a one and a zero it's become very binary probably not so i think the jury the jury's still out on that one the two-party politics uh conversation (laughs) is that really democracy uh... guys (laughs) Well, first of all, no, it's not. But secondly, um, <laughs> it's the illusion of choice. It's not, it's not an actual choice when you have to pick between two parties and just two people who've got pretty similar backgrounds and you have to pick one or the other. Uh, and most of the time people just vote because of, oh, he's, he's less worse than this one. I mean, that's basically why Biden won. I just want to make it very clear. I'm not a fan of Biden either. But it's just Trump was so on the edge. And I just, you know, when you look at the type of guy he is, you're like, you can't give him nuclear codes. Like it's genuinely worrying for the rest of the world that someone that on on edge at all times had nuclear codes. Like he was the most powerful man on earth for four years. So I but think like in that sense, like depending who you speak to, I know there was a lot of Middle Easterns that were very happy that Trump was in power because he basically he, he didn't fuck with the Middle East for 
for a long time. People and, say this, and- but he did though. He did because he initially gave, uh, you know, support to the Kurdish forces to fight ISIS and then just had one phone call with Tayyip Erdogan and just decided to pull away all of his support. So then they let ISIS take over those regions again and many, many people died for absolutely no reason. But, so it's but like so, he didn't so, so follow far, through uh, I'd say like So far with um, every four years, so with, 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 the, uh, with the coming in for, of Obama, we thought, uh, the, the mention of of new wars, let's put it this way, has Trump done anything in the Middle East where he's created a new X Y Z, created a new uh, a war? Let's say, what what well, do you think is a, was Trump good for international politics for you know the layman? Uh, I don't know, man. I guess it kind of depends what side you support. Um, <laughs> um, I think like so. I think it's kind of telling that most. Uh, the Gulf countries um, were quite slow uh, in kind of congratulating the U.S. president, uh, well, president-elect Biden. Uh, I think there is, you know, Biden, we need to remember, was like the orchestrator or one of the orchestrators of the um, the Iran nuclear deal, which was like Obama's big, you know, diplomacy finish to his presidency. And then that just got obliterated within like the first few months of the Trump presidency. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see now whether he brings that deal back to the table or not, because if he does, he's going to piss off the, the newly formed alliance of, mm-hmm. of Israel, the UAE, Sudan, Bahrain, and let's be honest, Saudi Arabia at this point as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that's going to be interesting. Turkey, same thing. Erdogan, very slow to congratulate President-elect Biden as well. So, yeah, it should be interesting. <laughs> you know what I find funny? A lot of people say that Trump didn't do anything in the Middle East, but are we, like 2020 has been such a wild year that people have forgotten that in the first month of the year, we almost had World War Three because he decided to kill like the second most powerful man in Iran. Like he just, you know, Ooh, this guy has uh, taken some very strange and rash decisions without much thought. And I mean, you know, this, the reason why a lot of these dictators through the Middle East do like Trump is because... He's not very nuanced in his approach. If you just stroke his ego, you can get him to do what you want. And that's what a lot of people did do during his presidency. But I think the overarching question I kind of wanted to ask you guys was, what do you think is Trump's legacy, period? I mean, he's, he's had four years. When we look back on these four years in the future, what will people think most when you say Donald Trump? Oh, I think just chaos, man. I don't know. <laughs> I think like... I don't know. I mean, this is, I mean, in 10, I'm not even in 10 years time, in five years time, this is going to be taught in history at schools, right? Of the Trump presidency of, and it's funny because I mean, he's only, he was only president for one term, which is super rare. The last president who was only a one-term president was uh, George, uh, George Bush senior. Right. And that was like in the eighties, nineties. I think that he will just be remembered as a very irrational person. Um, a guy who broke all types of norms. Uh, and I think eventually, to be honest, because I, I don't think the witch hunt is over for him. I think the Democrats are going to go after him. Uh, he's yeah, now yeah. not the president. Therefore, he, you're more, he can be more easily sued, for example, if he's been avoiding taxes, which I'm sure he has, uh, and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> Didn't he pay like 15 pounds and a Freddo bar for the, all of his taxes over the past 10 years? Like He paid absolutely nothing. He's going to get beaten up by the IRS when this is done. Yeah, exactly. Especially when Rudy Giuliani is your lawyer. Oh, like, Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's bad news. <laughs> Have you, did you see the thing of the Four Seasons Hotel? That whole okay, saga? You know what? You know what? We, need to, we need to describe all of, all of the events around the uh, election clearly 
So do you want to explain what the uh, Four Seasons situation was? Go through it and explain it clearly, because this sounds like a, a skit from The Office, but let's, <laughs> you go through it. No, so, for, so from what I understand, the, uh, so the, Geo, the Republican Party were trying to, and, with, and this was Giuliani, right? They were trying to essentially, I think, book a conference room in the Four, Se- four Seasons Hotel, right? Uh, but then, I don't know, I'm not really sure what happened if the Four Seasons rejected them or like they told them they don't have space. But instead of booking like the Four Seasons Hotel, they ended up booking like this like trading company, which is also called the Four Seasons, which is between, I think, a sex shop and like another, like it was basically like a retail park and it was just this dodgy car park space and they ended up doing the, the conference there. And it was just like, what the fuck has happened? Yeah, I mean that is literally as twenty twenty as it gets. Like you're you're giving a very important speech as the personal lawyer of the president, and you're in a dodgy car park. <laughs> you know, it was funny because they put like a weird um, they put like a, a sort of a flag uh, slash poster behind him over like what looked like a regular garage to make it look more professional. <laughs> but you could like you could just tell it was just so horrible. I mean, this could be a South Park episode, honestly. They're just yeah. feeding it to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like they're not even trying now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I think like people will look back and I don't think people will think of Trump as badly in the future. I think they're going to look back and see that this was the moment where politics was broken, as in like the, the, the glass shield was smashed by Trump. And they're going to forget about all the terrible things he said and did, but they're going to see him as that the the different one the turning point in u.s politics and i think it's truly a turning point but um, do you think that you know the way when biden won the way people were talking was like oh my god the great evil is defeated now we can move on into prosperity i mean my first question is did donald trump break the system or did he just expose it for what it is which is a system that doesn't work Uh, and my second question is you know, now that Biden is here, does this suddenly mean that all of the previous issues with the system are fixed? And is he like the, the messiah of US politics? <laughs> I think he like, I think he, so I think with Trump, I think he broke the system, but I think he played the system as well, right? So he definitely broke it in the sense that there's never been a politician in the, U, in U, in the US's history who's been as like irrational and volatile as he has. But he still played it at the end of the day. I mean, I'm sure this guy has still walked away with like hundreds of millions of dollars worth of dodgy deals and the whole kind of thing of, you know, we're cleaning up. I mean, remember in 2016, cleaning up the swamp. That was the, that was the motto of his election back then. And then if you look at the swamp, it's just the scammiest people and the scammiest jobs. You know, the head of, former CEO of ExxonMobil was his secretary of state for a while. Steve Mnuchin, who was at the treasury again former banker so he played the system completely jared kushner i mean i've never seen a president give his son-in-law like a job as important as like by the way fix the middle east crisis yeah. <laughs> like, it's yeah, just, yeah. like what's he gonna do you know like better men than him have tried and failed <laughs> you know he uh, actually moves like a turkish politician because type Erdogan's son-in-law is the was the national treasurer of the country and uh, he recently quit uh, and you might have seen this, the Turkish lira went up in value for the first time in years. Uh, but it's like, 
the way Trump approached politics in America is how a Turkish politician would approach politics in Turkey, which is like, it's kind of hilarious because whenever you say, like you wouldn't expect those sorts of antics in the West because, you know, they say nepotism and this and that, but he fully just went full blown nepotism. And it's just like, you know, here's my uncle, here's my niece, here's my, you know, whatever. And he would just put them into incredibly powerful positions. Ones mm. that they're not qualified for at all. And even his, I mean, his daughter, Ivanka, I mean, she was going along to like G20 summits and things like this. It was like a bring your daughter to work day. Like, it was just insane. What I can... qualifications did she have for that? <laughs> exactly. That's yeah. the thing. I mean, that's a, like, that's a whole other discussion, discussion about democracy of like, you know, these people are unelected. So therefore, they should be nowhere near. Uh, these types of decision making scenarios yeah i think we'll do we'll do we'll keep that that kind of talk for another podcast <laughs> i think that'll make something really interesting um but yeah like i i, I also think but back but let's go we keep going back to trump like, can we can we stick to the biden issue so biden is now the president of the u.s like Aaron said is he a godsend is he is he the savior in my opinion it's a reset back to back to the usual. I, I think we're going to see the same old kind of. It's not going to be as bad, and I, I think from future elect, I, I think future elections, people are going to go back to voting uh, a bit more extreme. They just Trump was a bit too much this time, but I think Biden is just is just the, you know, it just came came out of the bakery of of uh, politicians. Seventy years. How old is he? Like seventy something. Years old He's in politics. Seventy-eight, I think, next month. Are you serious? Like, mm-hmm. is this what you? How can you run a country at that age? Honestly, it's ridiculous. Let's think of it as a business, at least. Let's think of a country as a large business. Even then, you'd fire the don at like sixty. Do you know what I mean? You, you give him a good package and you say, "All right, mate. Look, thanks for giving us everything, but piss off." <laughs> <laughs> the the issue with Biden though isn't that he's old; it's that he's old and potentially senile. That's the issue here. Definitely. I mean, the, like, if they, remember his own role. Like, this is the thing. Like, if it was, if it was a case of Trump, because Trump is in his seventies as well, but he's still okay. He's not that intelligent to begin with, but he's at least like there. Do you know what I mean? Think the things are clicking in his head when he's speaking. With with Biden, you know, there was a video of Kamala Harris calling him and saying like, "Oh, you know, we won," and people are like, "Oh, she's just reminding him because he's probably forgotten." Like, this is the kind of person <laughs> that you got in charge of the country and. It's kind of worrying that, I mean, the, the options are, a, you know, a guy who used to host, uh, you know, You're Fired, that show, at The Apprentice, and you've got a guy who's, you know, well into his 70s, who has possibly dementia as your two options. So, of you course, know. I don't think Biden is, is anyway the kind of savior of American politics. In fact, we don't know what he's going to do in the next four years. Will he even last a full term? You know what's interesting? I was watching an interview with uh, Putin. And it was, a, it was on a Russian show and, and they, they asked him about American politics and his opinion. And he, he said something that really like uh, stuck with me. He said that every time there's a new president, Obama, and before that it was uh, obviously uh, George Bush, etc. He was like, yeah, they, they change every time. But the people that come to meet him in the background are always the same. He said every, every time, for example, Obama will come with obviously his members is whatever, the important people, the bureaucrats in the background. But he said, the people that are actually doing stuff are always the same. And he's always dealing with the same people behind the man. So I, I really think, I was going back to the, the point that you said at the start, Yusuf, where, you know, is this even a viable democracy anymore? But I think the point is, you can't really push that much as a president, really, because things are already set in motion. 
like it would be silly for things to topple every four years. But um, yeah, I, I don't know what your opinion on, on that is. Yeah, I think I think with Biden, um, I still think he's the only guy who could have beaten Trump that the Democrats had. In all fairness to him, despite the fact like there's a lot of accusations saying that he's senile and everything, I still think he he was kind of viewed as like the safe pair of hands, essentially. Um, oh God. And I think, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, we're kind of in the position where I don't think like a guy like Barack Obama could have been elected in this election because of the polarization that's happened. I, have, I honestly, I, I, I don't. Unfortunately, I don't think that would have been the case. I think the Democrats needed an old white man to win this election, and Biden was kind of the only one who was like not too radical because that like, Bernie Sanders against Trump would have been eaten alive. I think completely eaten alive. Um, so unfortunately, yeah, I completely agree with you guys that like Biden is not the ideal candidate, given that if he wants to like rerun for president, he's going to be 82, which is just insane. <laughs> um, but at the same time, he's the only he's the only person the Democrats had, I feel, that could have won the election. My realistically question is, speaking, will this make a difference in American politics? Though? Like going a bit broader than Biden, let's just say, mm -hmm. okay, he's coming. What is he really going to do that's going to derail American politics or move it towards a... Do, do, do you see a big yeah. significant step change? I think on, on the international scene, uh, probably not. I think it's going to be... I think he's going to revert to a lot of the Obama-era policies. Um, like, America's reputation internationally has been very badly damaged over the last four years, especially with the European Union, uh, especially with NATO, for example, as well. Um, there's a lot of reputation building that they need to do. And it'll be interesting to see where they start, actually, because that will determine what their priorities are. Uh, in terms of like domestic, I think, honestly, it's a tough call because I could realistically see Trump running for the Republican ticket again in the future. I think he 100% is. The next, yeah. the 2024, and, he's running again. And I, I, could so, see, yeah. I could see him winning, to be honest. I mean, the guy got 70 million votes. That's just huge huge amounts and who else have the republicans got you know See, that, the thing that is that's uh, charismatic the uh the democrats or the people who voted for the democrats aren't necessarily democrats in this election so you know they, they managed to swing a lot of states because they either got people who like you said at the beginning couldn't previously you know vote i believe in georgia a lady called stacy adams really helped help yeah. get a lot of people uh, the right to vote for the first time but Beyond that, a lot of Republicans who just felt that Donald Trump wasn't shining a, uh, a light on them in the way that they wanted, voted for Democrats just to get Donald Trump out. But Donald, the people who voted for Donald Trump are so cultishly devoted to him that in the next election, they will vote exactly the same way and you'll get another 70 million votes mm -hmm. So at the bare minimum. So you need to make sure that you have the same kind of support for Biden. Uh, this time around, it was just the case of, oh, we want to get rid of Trump, so we're voting for Biden. But the next election, that might be kind of gone. People might think back to the Trump times and be like, oh, he, he was kind of funny at least. Or he didn't do much <laughs> in the Middle East, you know. Um, and they might vote, they might not vote for Biden this time and go vote for Trump. And the, the margin was so thin that, you know, in 2024, yeah. it, might, it might actually work out in his favor. I honestly don't think um, Biden can run again, like just as a person. <laughs> in two years it's my guess that he's gonna say i'm having health issues 
and I'm thinking to step down. And in max three years, we see Kamala Harris in the White House. Yeah, and I think they, so. Yeah. I, I think that I they're grooming that. her for that role. But if you put Kamala Harris against Donald Trump, he's eating her alive. Yeah, I also to be honest, man. No I, I think I think to be honest, I thought Mike Pence did a better job in the VP debate than Kamala Harris did. To be honest, I think Kamala Harris came off as like a very very aggressive debater. And she was interrupting him quite a lot as well. So I I think I do agree with you. I think that's what's gonna happen. I think after two, I mean, Biden has already admitted that he's a transition president. He's already mm-hmm. said this in interviews, and I, you know, he realizes it. I don't know if he's gonna last the full term, if it's gonna be two years, like you said, and then Kamala comes in for another couple of years. But I don't know, man, in four years' time, like who are the Republicans gonna put up? Right? It's gonna it's gonna because be Trump, yeah. Trump is going to, I think that you can run, I'm pretty sure you can, there's no laws that say you can't run again as a president. Uh, it's just the convention that you don't. Yeah. But he's so popular and I think it's kind of funny, like when you look back at previous American elections, you know, I think the, if you look like at the Obama second term, it was Obama versus Mitt Romney and Mitt Romney was trying to essentially take over the moderate voters of Obama right but he didn't manage to do that so it's kind of funny like the republicans were trying to stash an obama-esque character mm. uh, and then when clinton came around clinton was kind of like a continuation of obama and people were kind of fed up with that and then through some I, i'm pretty sure the republicans did not didn't mean this to happen but through some <laughs> fluke Trump yeah it was an in, absolute right? fluke let's be honest yeah exactly no sorry so, coming that's the thing. Uh, so, I, like, if Kamala Harris, let's say, is president by the next the next election that happens, are the Republicans realistically going to choose someone who is kind of like Kamala Harris? I honestly don't think so. I think they need to choose someone who's like offering a completely different package. And who are the Republicans got that can do that? Realistically, only Trump, right? I think either Trump or his daughter Ivanka will run in twenty twenty four, depending on what Trump's legal situation is going to be at that time. Because as you said, now that he's no longer the president, uh, he is more culpable to being sued. And we know he's got some tax issues going on. There's obviously been many questions about him with regards to his links to other countries. You know, he does always mention uh, Biden's son and Ukraine, but he himself has had many links to Russia and, you know, tampering with with, uh, elections and stuff like that. So I do think that they aren't just going to let him walk off from this election you know right off into the sunset they are going to come for him again and if he does end up in some sort of legal troubles i maybe even if he doesn't run his daughter will run and like i said he's got like a cultish kind of following who will vote for anything trump at this point so they will vote for her in the next elections and i think with the democratic party the people that they have are basically kamala harris or aoc yeah, and I there's no way in hell AOC is going to win an election on like the you know country countrywide sort of thing. Yeah. She can she can maybe win in New York, but not anywhere else. So the country just isn't ready for that sort of politics or that sort of personality at all. What do you think? And I, just, I just I just don't think it would work for the Democrats. What do you think if Michelle Obama went for it? Oh, that's an interesting one, actually, because mm, I, yeah. I know that it's not the first time that people have flung this around, and I'm pretty sure that she's. Uh, just listening to her like interviews and i know her she wrote a book and it seems like she's angling for a possible return in the future <laughs> as a politician in some sense she's got the she's got the charisma for sure mm. i think like i mean clinton just had zero charisma i mean it was just like yeah yeah, she's yeah i mean 
it was just yeah zero complete zero um mm. here's an interesting one though do you think that the republican party is going to try and get rid of trump so it's actually not so i mean the democrats will most definitely go after him now but do you think the republican party are just going to try and like bury the hatchet on this one and they're just going to try and get rid of that that side of the party and i don't know demean him in some way so he can't run again in the future there's a possibility, but I think, like I said, how this is a turning point in politics, it doesn't need to be Trump. I think, again, like it could be someone else, Trump-esque, a big, big character, uh, doesn't really care about much about the rules or what the status quo is. I, I think this is going to be the future of politics on both sides as well. I don't, for example, this is why I said Michelle Obama, like she's not necessarily a, you know, a career politician, as many other Democrats are. So it's, she's not Trump, she's not like Trump, but it's down that line of no longer yeah. a career politician, kind of a charismatic leader. And if she, uh, uh, let's say, embodies some of those, um, you know, points that Trump took, took on, I think she can win a lot of people. So I'm, I'm me secretly hoping, I'm hoping Bill Gates, you know, <laughs> becomes a democratic like party well, yeah because after after he's microchipped everyone with his vaccine exactly. it's gonna be super easy right the obvious next step is the lead so of are you guys pro bill gates then no no i uh i don't know man i still think as a politician you need to be from the grassroots i think that's the only way you appreciate the struggle of people what they live on their their daily lives to be honest um I think that's why there's such like a big gap, right, between what politicians think the real world is and what it actually is. Yeah. Um, so I think that, I don't know, for me at least, like the politician I'm attracted to is someone who's like been a local leader, been a local councillor, really works their way up uh, and is a person who first and foremost represents their constituents. That's their job, right? Mm. They represent it sounds like you're describing people. AOC a little bit there, though. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I think AOC will run for president, but I think it's going to take about 15, 16 years before yeah. she can make a concrete effort for it. Because we're just not in the... Unfortunately, we've kind of regressed in our mentality because of the last four years, you know? Like, I don't know, why would Obama be elected in four years' time if he ran again? No. I think, thing, I think right? what America done was they said, okay, here's your black president. Let's see what he does. A lot of people weren't happy with Obama. Um, there's a lot of people trying to rewrite history and paint him out to be this perfect president. He wasn't. A lot of his Middle Eastern policies were highly criticized. Uh, within the country, he made a lot of mistakes in some of his laws as well. He lost the house in his second, I think his second term. So he yeah. couldn't even put through any of the laws that he wanted. Um, so, you know, I think they gave, they gave the American, you know, people gave uh, a black president a chance. And given how Americans are, they were like, oh, we weren't too happy with him. So now they went the exact opposite with Donald Trump. Mm. And I think more people are happy with Donald Trump uh, come the end of his tenure than they were with Obama. So I think we've shifted more towards, even more towards the right. Because like, like you said, 70 million people vote for Donald Trump at the end of that first term. You and me might say that was yeah. a terrible term, but 70 million people were more than happy with what Donald Trump done in those four years. I can't say the same for Obama. Yeah. I think that, you know, I think one thing that needs to happen in the next four years, if, we're, if, we need to, if we're trying to get out of this like left v right situation, honestly, the, the media channels in the US have to change because I was completely shocked when you like turn on the television 
and you watch something like the Jimmy Fallon show or like any type of like daily show, my God, the bias is just insane. I and mean, on both sides. And this, on both sides, yeah, absolutely. It's not but, just Fox acting crazy. It's, it's the, yeah. the left as well, incredibly. Like, uh, who was it? I think, as you said, it was, it was one of the Jimmies, I think. Uh, uh, yeah. No, Stephen Colbert. He done like a 10-minute uh, little clip where he was like hands on his hips and he was like on the verge of crying because he said, I'm sick of Trump and all of this and blah, blah. And it's like, it's incredibly biased, uh, you yeah. know, media influence in the elections kind of riles everyone up as well. Yeah, that's the thing, man. I, I don't know, man. I think the media is like, the media is all to blame, I think, as well, for like mm-hmm. Trump's election four years ago. I think they, they woke like a sleeping giant um, and they provoked and provoked people into choosing someone like that because people yeah. were just kind of fed up of telling. I don't know, man, if you keep telling people like, oh, you're wrong to think this, you're wrong to do this, and it's given to you on a daily basis in your face, like, of course you're going to retaliate. Any normal human would. Yeah. yeah. No, it shows sure. like SNL really, really pushed people who were kind of on the edges of society more towards the extreme sides because, you know, when I say shows like SNL, I mean shows that are for like more of a middle class kind of, I'm quoting here, woke audience who think that, you know, oh, Hillary, she's going to save us all and you can't criticize her and blah, blah, and Donald Trump's this idiot. And they kept looking down, as you said, on people and make them feel as though their ideas were you know, not welcome and they were kind of useless in their thought processes and stuff like that. And so they they fought back and they said, okay, cool. If you, if you tell me that I should vote for Hillary, then I'm going to go to the exact opposite end, which is where Donald Trump was waiting with a warm embrace for anyone who would come <laughs> his way. And, you know, that's how he won. So they have to be held accountable for what they've done in the previous election and on this one. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting as well to see the types of people Biden puts into his cabinet, because I think AOC has already come out and said, you know, depending on who he puts in, will depend how the liberal, uh, the liberal wing of the Democrat Party acts towards Biden as well. So clearly, like they're fishing for like some big liberals to be in his in his cabinet. Um, so again, they're another kind of like party split uh, as well, which I think is a bit more vocal than you would find on the Republican side. But, yeah, there's a big uh, Labour, Corbyn slash Starmer kind of split happening within the Democratic Party as well. You're seeing like, yeah. you know, the the Bernie style uh, politicians on one side and then the Kamala Harris style politicians on another. You know, Kamala, the number one cop in the country, Harris on one side and then, you know, Bernie, everyone gets uh, free healthcare, Sanders on the other side. Yeah. So it's like, there's such a split in the Democratic Party. It worries me about the next elections. And I mean, I don't even think, even if they didn't put Trump, I think even if they put anyone, anyone who was remotely half decent at rallying a Trump-esque, uh, you know, base, I think yeah. they would win. Uh, I think because they would the Democratic well, yeah. Party is going to be so split yeah. going forward. Yeah, because you just get Trump to endorse the candidate, right? And as soon as he endorses the candidate, it's like game over. Yeah, but, just just offer him some sort of immunity from any crimes and say, just endorse this person and he will, he will endorse them and they will win. Do you not think like the same will happen to the Republicans, though? the A split? Because we, we kind of see this, mm-hmm. you know, not everyone supports Trump 100%, obviously, because there was uh, votes to be swung. So do you, do you, I feel like a lot of people that voted for Biden are really like conservatives that just didn't want to vote for Trump. 
and there will be yeah. a, the, this is the point though split on the republican side as well maybe this is but, a good thing maybe we're no going but this is the point though politics. despite those people voting for uh, for biden just out of spite of trump he still got 70 million votes that's the scary part yeah if your own party's members are not, are not saying, oh, we're not going to vote, they're saying, okay, we're going to vote, but we're going to vote for the other party in a country as polarized as America, all that says to me is that, you know, 70 million at the very worst, you're going to get 70 million. So going forward, it's going to be a very, very hard task for, mm. for the Democrats. I think the Republicans are way more glued together than the Democrats are in that even the people who have been elected in this in this election. So, you know, with, with America, it's different to the UK. They have the Senate, they have the House and whatever. They have these different branches of government which you can be elected to. You might win the presidency, but you might not have won the House or whatever. And I feel like the people who did win, you know, Senate, senator seats like, you know, Mitch McConnell and whatnot, they are still very much pro-Trump. They were put into their positions by Trump as well. So going forward, they will carry that sort of, policy and politics in the republican party quite strongly whereas with the democrats as i said very very split yeah should be an interesting one what do we what do we think by the way of when when is trump going to concede <laughs> Never. is he going to concede interesting, <laughs> interesting because do you think that he was kind of i feel like he stepped off the gas he hasn't yet uh, he, i feel like he was on the edge of really trying to write you know stir people on the ground and really trying to stir the whole thing but I feel like he stepped off the gas completely. Um, do you think that the CIA or government agencies got involved and were like, listen, mate, shut the fuck up. You've lost. <laughs> do you know what I mean? This, is, this yeah. won't be good for the country because honestly, people were, I mean, we've seen people going outside voting booths, you know, storming voting booths, stopping counts. I mean, that's crazy. For me, that's insane. People have decided, yeah. you know what? To hell with democracy. I'd rather see my president be like a dictator. That's, that's insane. Do you think like yeah. something got involved in that sense and he just like had to be quiet and kind of let it die off? I definitely, like, I definitely believe in the, in the deep state for sure. I think like what you're describing with like, there are other forces at play. Um, also like Trump had a really bad relationship with the CIA and the FBI. He like frequently denied like their intelligence reports on Russia or on any other country really. <laughs> uh, so I know he has, yeah, I'm sure that they're not happy with him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for sure. I I don't know if they would even, again, like, I don't know, man. To be honest, the whole world could be run by lizards at this point, right? Uh, it's kind of, it's so difficult to tell, like, where does the line of paranoia and common sense, like, yeah. where does that line cross, right? Yeah. Um, but I do agree with you, though. I do agree that he kind of did, he wasn't as bombastic as he could have been because he really could have been in front of the camera a lot more often right he exactly. only went in front of the camera twice both statements were pretty emotionless as well mm -hmm. it wasn't that he was there like pounding his fists um at the camera or anything he kind of just did his speech and then walked off um yeah. i don't know if you got him coming in front of the camera like twice a day you know like you know smashing uh, you know the fucking microphone off the stand <laughs> I think that would have been interesting to see if like people would have gone like, like rather than like banging outside the counting booths, if they actually would have just stormed the building. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think he could have easily tipped it over the edge. I don't know, man. I don't think it's far fetched. I really do think there's a deep state thing going on. I mean, we have the CIA. It does exist guys. Like it's not a, it's not a myth. You know, there, there are government agencies and 
there needs to be continuity throughout and each do term, you so. think that it is a possibility the only reason why he's not being dragged kicking and screaming out of the white house well i mean he might still be we don't know but the only reason why i don't think he's come out and that said too much is probably because he's you know again this is a conspiracy theory but he might have he might have agreed some sort of immunity deal because I genuinely feel like Donald Trump is going to be prosecuted for some sort of crime once this is done. But if he has negotiated some sort of immunity um, and offered in, instead that, okay, I won't make too much of a fuss. I won't, you know, I won't cause a, basically a civil war. I think uh, maybe something like that could have happened as well because like you said, I don't understand his reaction to this because I, yes, he said, oh, I won it. They've stolen my votes, but he didn't. He didn't do what you would expect Donald Trump to do. You know, the past four years and what he's done in this past week don't really match up. Yeah, yeah, I completely agreed. I think there is there's something else at play. Absolutely. Sure. There has to be. I mean, he, we've seen him throw the biggest hissy fits over absolutely nothing. And now when he's lost his presidency, he tweets about it a few times. He comes out in front of the cameras twice, as you said. I mean, Donald Trump during his presidency would have been in front of the cameras 10 times a day he would have live streamed from the white house and said no they're trying to take me out like exactly i'm i'm finding it very unbelievable that he isn't putting up more of a fight like honestly if he yeah. said like they're trying to like you said live stream they're trying to take me out right now do you not think like thousands of republicans will come down driving to the white house to rescue him do you know what i mean like dude he yeah. and he's not stupid he knows he has this kind of cult following and control so I think there's more to, like you said, I don't know. Obviously, we don't know what it is. We can only like, postulate. But I, I do think there is more to it than this. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, I mean, look, if you're the CIA, you want Joe Biden as a president, right? No brainer. Yeah, definitely yeah. more stable. No brainer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, much more stable. Has been a VP in the past. So he kind of knows the run of the circle a little bit. Um, I think like if you're any government if you're any federal government organization, you want Joe Biden there. Yeah, he knows he he knows the play, he knows the deal, he knows how to speak and what not what to do. And all right, well, maybe we can keep it away from like Biden and everyone. Let's go to the everyday people in America. You, you know, the biggest topics right now, obviously, coronavirus. Like, how big of an effect do you think this had on the election? Do you think like perhaps if we didn't have coronavirus? shops weren't closing and you know people's businesses weren't shutting down do you think that trump would have won the election or do you think anything would have changed the thing is like so i thought i thought covid was going to be a huge part of this election but then when they did the exit polls it turns out that covid actually wasn't the top it was the economy was first which you can argue like covid has a huge impact on that but i think covid was like third or fourth on some poll on some exit polls for mm -hmm. why people voted in the ways they did um i don't really i haven't unfortunately i haven't really looked at like you know areas worse affected and whether those correlates with like swings for biden or or stuff yeah. like that look I, I definitely think if covid i think if covid hadn't happened i think we could have been looking at another four years for I, sure. think so, yeah. I think so most of Trump's followers don't believe in COVID, so I guess it didn't really affect them, <laughs> COVID at all anyway. So, I mean, like, like it's, it's weird because even science has become polarized now, you know, where you find people who are more left-leaning tend to believe scientists, whereas people who are more right-leaning tend to not. And I don't know at what point that became the thing because I just mm. find that absolutely 
insane that you know somebody who's dedicated their life to science who's done all the research who's giving you all of the information you need peer-reviewed and you turn around and say no uh, you're lying i don't believe you this is a conspiracy this is that then you know like a lot of republicans you're seeing all these freak out videos where they're like no i won't wear a mask this is a this is to you know bring in a new world order and but of I think, course they've when they were voting they didn't care about covid because they don't believe in it but i think science I, I think you touched on an important thing i think science has changed a lot uh let's say in recently let's say in the last like 50 years where you know big companies have gotten involved not just big companies but also governments have got involved with funding and sometimes this can affect bias this can affect um i mean i i don't want to bring up the vegans but (laughs) (laughs) you know on a lighter note like for sure there's uh, funding and money coming into these kind of studies that that affect the outcomes i i think we've seen a a twist in basically people's outlook on science because of these things people don't really trust it anymore when they find out oh okay so this company funded this research and it's and it's there seems to be an obvious connection on why they would want this kind of outcome so um i don't know what do you think about that Yusuf? have you seen the pfizer conspiracy theory about you know they've now come out with a vaccine that says 90 percent efficiency and they are saying that they delayed the announcement until mm. after the election i think that i think that was done in that way man 100 yeah, i think so 100 100 i've got no doubt that they they plan I think to do they, it um i think if you look at it from a non-conspiracy point of view so their rationale for why they announced it now i guess can be seen as they knew that donald trump would take credit uh, and say, oh, I've done this, I found the vaccine. And so they unanimously said, no, it has nothing to do with Donald Trump. I think it was actually two Turkish, uh, yeah, it was a married Turkish couple, uh, both professors, who had their own company called BioNTech in Germany, which was then yeah. bought out by Pfizer, and they had come up with the vaccine. And so they unanimously said that Donald Trump was not involved in this. And I think they probably just felt that if he does try to claim some sort of ownership over it, you know, that could lead to problems for them going down, you know, down the line in mass production and actually being able to give it to people with compliance of people if if they think that this is a Donald Trump vaccine, you know, a man who told people to drink bleach and, you know, <laughs> UV ray out COVID. So, you know, in a non-conspiracy kind of way, you can maybe understand why they didn't want to do it during the election, you know, build up or during the election, you know, period. Uh, but it is very, very peculiar that literally a, a week after the elections, they now have a vaccine, which they didn't have before. Yeah. I think everything's it's, political yeah. nowadays. Like you, you, you yeah. can't say, oh, you know, science is, oh, it's evidence-based and yay, it's, it's not going to be tough. Listen, there's always some stakeholder. Stakeholders in all science. I mean, I, I work in the industry of science. And believe me, there are stakeholders and this can affect the direction of science. I, I work for a stakeholder. Like I literally, yeah. I'm, I'm privately funded. My position is privately funded in the research that we do and the outcome, they tell you what outcome they want and you have to work towards the outcome. But what is it about having more, I don't know, let's say Republican views that makes you completely disregard science? I just, I, that is the part that I don't understand. That's the, mm-hmm. that's the crux yeah. of it. I mean, I think if COVID had happened like 10 years ago in the UK, I think everyone would have been wearing masks. I mean, bird flu yeah. didn't we even come here. Like, yeah. and people were so scared of it. I remember when we were kids, there was bird flu and everyone was absolutely losing their minds over it. COVID's happened and everyone's angry that they can't go to the pub and they don't want to wear masks. It's just yeah, yeah. kind of... Always yeah. a frustration and like human beings don't like to be kept 
I mean, this is why we, this is why we send people to prison because we know they don't like to be kept in confined spaces and limit their, let's say, freedoms. And when a government tells people, you know, you can't do X, Y, Z, it feels like a, a limit on their freedom. And so, you know, people get I mean, anxious I, I don't and, want and they may think. A... Uh, obviously, we're not going to do a COVID thing, but yeah, I didn't want this to become a COVID it, it does, thing. But... It, it, it does play into that. All right, maybe, maybe we could switch it up to the next biggest issue, in my opinion. So we've seen, like in America, there's a lot of like race topics. Uh, that flared up uh, in the past like year or so. Do you think things will get better at this point? Do you think now Donald Trump is gone, things will get better, things will be put in place to help reduce uh, police brutality and uh, the marginalization of uh, ethnic minorities in America? Or do you think, that, like, just like under Obama, how nothing really changed, nothing's going to change again? I think I'm turning a bit more towards, towards the latter. I yeah. think things will not change as radically as people wanted to. Um, I think like the whole reason Biden won was because he got the moderates over, right? Yeah. So I, I realistically, I don't know if he would want to do anything too radical, like defunding the police, I think is a really dangerous card to play in the US. Um, obviously a lot of Democrats kind of supporting that, but will, would a Biden president do that? I, I really don't think so. Yeah, he needs to maintain his like voter share uh, so I think it's going to be, I think they will definitely introduce new policies. I think the stuff around, I mean, definitely the stuff around climate change, for sure. Yeah. When it comes to, when it comes to race, I think they are, I think having Kamala Harris is very, I mean, it was obviously she was chosen for yeah. that reason, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, as well as like, of course, like being a good politician, but you know, that was obviously a card that the Democrats mm-hmm. were playing. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of smoke, but no fire. I think we'll see a lot of lip service as usual you know a a lot of things that people would like to hear but in actuality nothing's going to be really done there's nothing going to be put in place systematically to try to fix the issue no it's going it's going to be worse it's it's kind of like what happened with Obama during his presidency you know issues of uh, police brutality and you know I think Trayvon Martin that situation happened under Obama and you know George Zimmerman got away with it so it's like, you know, there's going to be high profile cases like that continuing to happen. Um, but same thing with Obama, where they said, well, we gave you Obama. What else do you want? And so your valid criticisms of the way the country was being run was kind of like, well, you had Obama. What else do you want from us? Same situation. They're going to say, well, we got rid of Trump. What do you want? Like, you know, we solved it. We've, we've cured racism because we've gotten rid of Donald Trump as if he was the only reason why America's, you know, institutionally racist for the past 600 years. It's, it's, it's not going to fix anything. I think it's going to make it worse. It's going to make it harder for people to voice their criticisms. Yeah, I, I think he's, I think Trump definitely, he took the pot, he took the lid off the pot, right? With racism. I think it was bubbling. I mean, you know, America is like, and Britain as well. These are both countries which have racism embodied in the bloodline um, mm. of its people. So I think, I think having a president that doesn't support groups such as the kkk proud boys things like that i think that will help sorry some, guys that sounds way. crazy the fact that we actually say that yeah. you know having a yeah, yeah. president that doesn't support the kkk it's like <laughs> what like having, no, that doesn't openly support the kkk let's just say that because we don't know about yeah, past presidents either so. that's true that's true but i think like having someone who doesn't legitimize these types of groups is is something that will definitely be useful uh, i think um <clears throat> i don't know man I, I think the damage has just been done. And I think, to be honest, with this stuff, it's just going to 
it's going to be a matter of time. I think the only thing that can yeah. stop this is time. It's going to be, you need generations to die out. You need another 20, 30 years for, you know, the guys whose granddads were like slave owners. You need that to die out, right? <laughs> yeah. Pretty and when much. those are died out, then you can start rebuilding something. A lot of young guys are like that. That's the issue. There's a lot of young people who, you know, they won't come out on Twitter and be like, hey, guys, you know, I also like the KKK, but they do. There are a lot of young people who are going down that route, you know, the incels and whatnot. It's a, it's a genuine worry. And as you say, like, you know, with time, we do see obviously some improvements, but it, I think it's going to take more than just one or two. Gen- might, this might be like a hundred, 200 year uphill battle because... I think people today are, yeah. you know, young people today are racist. So. I think it's going to tick two ways. I mean, we've seen flare-ups and they're getting worse and worse. And I think this is going to tick one way or the other. Eventually, there's a ticking time bomb and is either they solve it or it's going to blow up in their face. I honestly think that's going to happen. Um, I don't think this is going to be something that they can keep ignoring actively because that's what they've been doing. It's like, oh, no, we condemn this. And then, yeah, let's just get on with our day job. Do you know what I mean? So... Let's, let's wait and see, guys. Uh, remember I said this, and um, let's see what happens. Like, just, yeah, if like you just look this... at history, if you just look at history uh, worldwide, when there's always a marginalized group, it's a ticking time bomb, and it ends up blowing up in their faces. Either they deal with it, or, again, like I said, uh, you deal with the consequences later on, but let's see. I mean, the way they deal with that sort of thing in America is kind of how we dealt with, uh, you know, nurses in this country where we were like, okay, everyone at eight go out and clap. But then the same politicians vote against them getting a pay rise. It's like you can you can clap all you want, but you need to actually take some solid steps in ensuring that these people are, you know, looked after. So it's the same type of situation with America. They'll put in policies and they'll say and do things. They'll play identity politics, but you need to actually deal with the problem at its root. Or well, as Steve said, I think it's, it's just going to blow up in their face. Four years in the future, where do you think we're going to be? That's a good question. Four years in the future, where, where are we going to be? I think we're going to really realise the, the extent of global warming. I, I think this is going to be the next big issue. Uh, short-sighted um, is COVID, but in the future, even beyond four years, but in the near future, let's say to 10 years, we're really going to understand that oh shit, okay, this is an actual issue. Um, you know, we're already seeing uh, internationally, politically, there's already kind of wars in Africa uh, between clans, etc. Because honestly, directly because of global warming, because they can't have any more, for example, farmland or etc. And I think this is going to, if it's already hit, it's going to trickle into the West sooner or later. And we're going to realize that it's a big, big issue. Um, in America, where we're going to see in four years, um yeah i think he's gonna do i think he's gonna do a terrible job but the people behind him uh behind biden are gonna win off it and uh let's see trump will run again i think <laughs> but, yeah i think um kamala harris is gonna be the dick cheney to joe biden mm-hmm. uh, in that yeah. you know he, he she's gonna she's gonna be the one you know running things really and he's just gonna be the face of the democratic party and the presidency what do you think uh, the and, biggest topic will be Aaron? honestly i think i have this really bad feeling that we're going to go further down the whole identity politics route where everything is just going to be so race related and all of the it's going to be so fucking jarring honestly i'm i'm sick of i'm sick of it at this point but it's just going to be a lot of a lot of a lot more of what we've seen 
so far. I would like for it to be more about global warming and issues that are actually going to affect us in the future that we have to put, a, you know, take some steps for now. But I just feel like America is such a loud country, such a easily distracted country that in four years time, they'll still be talking about the same types of things that we're talking about today. Um, mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, like even for us in Britain, this is going to have a knock, knock on effect with us. Oh, you know, sure. Joe, Joe Biden getting elected. Apparently he's, he's not as uh, warm and cuddly with Boris Johnson as Donald Trump was. So I don't know if you saw the tweet. US deals are going to be, uh, no, which one? Yeah, so Boris Johnson tweeted a like congratulation tweet. And then they, people on Twitter, obviously very savvy. Congratulations. They, they saw in the background that Trump's like letters were where Biden was. And it was kind of like a, you know, auto-generated message. Oh no. Yeah. yeah and they yeah, just, yeah. they kind of X his name out and just put, Biden on top, which is hilarious. Um, I mean that 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 says to me that the U.S. Uh, U.K. trade trade negotiations are going to be quite difficult. Um, you know, we're going out of the EU as well. Four years time, I really don't know what's what where the U.K. is going to be um, in relation to America as well. So, obviously, all these countries are linked to one another. What happens here is going to affect what happens in America. It's it's very difficult to predict, but I think it, I think it's going to be more of the same. In all honesty, yeah. what about you, Yusuf? What's your opinion? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think actually the UK is going to is going to become pretty defunct to the US in the next four years because I think you have a president like Biden who, uh, you know, he's openly called like Boris Johnson like a clone of Donald Trump. He thinks Brexit was a complete shit show of an idea, um, and I think that to be honest, Joe Biden is going to make a phone call to Ursula von der Leyen at the EU office before he makes a phone call to Boris Johnson. I think the EU-US relationships are more important than the EU-UK yeah. relationships. Uh, mm -hmm. I think the other thing as well is the UK was useful to the US in the sense that the UK was an ally of the US, of course, and it had a foot in the EU, which made it useful, I'm sure, for whatever reasons. Now they don't even have that. We don't even have that, right? <laughs> so what is the what is the UK to the US at this point. Like what, like what, what, that's true. What advantage do we offer? I'm and go. I don't really know. I, we're just not a priority. I don't think we were a priority under Donald Trump either, to be honest. But um, I think under Joe Biden, we're 100% not a priority. Uh, yeah, so. in, all, in all likelihood, they're just gonna use the UK as like a, a money-making kind of little nation, little island over there. Uh, come over here and you know obviously we've got the banking capital pretty much of, of yeah. europe within yeah. london so there'll, there'll be some stuff to do with that that i'm sure we'll we'll see you know more of in the future where they americans get involved but i i don't know i think like in 2024 it will cost 10p per step you take in central london the congestion <laughs> charge will reach birmingham uh, we'll all be in a terrible. Yeah, we'll be in a. We'll be in a terrible state by then. I think. Uh, being the pessimist, optimistically, I don't know. Maybe you can argue that Biden is a bit more of a, as we said, a calmer presence than Donald Trump. So maybe he'll offer us a better deal, as long as we negotiate with him. Uh, you know, I think properly. But then we've got Boris Johnson. I don't know. We've I got think you've nailed it. He'll he'll ring Europe before he rings us. I think we've relegated ourselves to the sidelines completely. I think our only chance was oh. Trump, was, was that kind of uh, similar political, you know, uh, affinity. But now we've lost that completely. We're pretty much fucked. <laughs> yeah. yeah, as I was saying, Trump likes to have his ego tickled and Boris Johnson was doing that quite well. So now that is Biden. Proper licking him out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. I think also like 
I don't know, uh, like Boris Johnson as well, big big fan of um, the the Trump Iran deal as well. He was like, yeah, we need to replace this deal with yeah. the the Trump Iran deal, and Joe Biden likely is going to go back to the Obama deal pretty quickly, I would imagine. There's a footy uh, mouth stuff going on from Boris there. Yeah, and I also think, uh, I don't know, to be honest, I think Angela Merkel is like a much more useful ally than Boris Johnson is at this point. Oh, sure. You know, Definitely. a stable a stable country with a stable politician who knows what she's talking about. Yeah. Also a big influencer within the EU, which we are not anymore. So I don't know. I, I just don't see what value add we have. Like, what's our USP? Like, what is it? Because we actually don't have one. Yeah. All we do, all we do anymore in this country is we do three things: we do financial services, we manufacture weapons, and we do pharmaceuticals, and that's it. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah mean, you're right. If, yeah. if Pfizer does actually roll out this this COVID vaccine, uh, well, pharmaceutically speaking, Germany's on the up. You're talking billions, absolutely billions, going into Pfizer, which will inadvertently increase the German threshold on pharmaceuticals anyway. So that's one industry that we've been kicked out of completely. And uh, I don't know, it's not looking great. But yeah, in four years, uh, I wish you hadn't asked that question because now I'm filled with doom and gloom. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think another good point I just want to bring up is that in four years time, like, like you said, how America will look to like, really get in ties with Europe. I think the China topic is going to be huge in four years time. I think yeah. it's for us to watch out. They already have quite a big pull on Europe due to the deals they've, they've struck with a lot of the, let's say, poorer European countries. And we've, uh, I think recently they re- they fo- <laughs> there was um, a decision to be made about China that was almost um, basically turned over because the countries that had uh, deep ties with Chinese businesses v- uh, voted against uh, basically restricting China. So I think we're going to see a lot of a lot of this kind of uh, focus on on that side, but a lot of topics. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, we called this the election special, but obviously the U.S. elections affects everything worldwide. It's unfortunate, but it's the reality of things. It's a domino effect, so we have discussed quite broadly a lot of topics. And if you want to listen to more about China and how they're growing economically, we did have on uh, Professor Kobayashi from SOAS University on a previous episode. It was called the Belt and Road Initiative. So go listen to that episode as well. Um, and we won't go further down that path because we can be talking about that for another hour. So um, I think it's about time we wrapped it up there. Uh, Yusuf, thank you for coming on. Thanks for, thanks for having me on, guys. Always really nice to uh, take part in these uh, sessions. Awesome. Yeah, so you're our correspondent when it comes to these sorts of elections slash political topics. Um, <laughs> thank you for coming on. And uh, yeah, guys, if you can uh, like, share and, you know, leave reviews on the iTunes store as well, that'd be fantastic for us. Uh, But yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Steve, why didn't you say who said having fun and being serious can't go hand in hand? That was bloody brilliant.